Have you ever pulled out your cell phone during a staff meeting or at work, maybe when somebody else has the room and you've started texting and wondered if maybe you were breaking a company rule or if you were being rude? Wondered if you could get fired? That might seem a bit extreme, but this was a case that was before the BC Tribunal. Taking a look at this, a woman who says she was fired with cause for texting during a meeting. Fired for texting and being told that she was not a team player. Well, she was awarded slightly more than $5,000 in compensation for the service, for her service after she was fired for this. During the hearing, The uh, dentist argued that she had cause to fire her employee. The employee was a dental assistant. The dentist argued that she did have cause to fire her employee because there was problematic texting. And I believe uh, there was a rule in that texting and anything that is distracting from your job not allowed in that office. So how does this all play out? How can we break this down? Let's bring in Lior Semfiru, an employment lawyer, partner at Semfiru Tremarkin LLP. Lior is on the phone with us now. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. Good morning, Joe. Uh, what do you take from this case in that it even made it to the uh, the BC Human Rights Tribunal, uh, this case of an assistant, a dental assistant being fired for texting? Well, what I see here is what I often see, which is employer con- employers confusing the concept of cause for discipline with cause for termination. Those are very different concepts. If an employee does something wrong, breaches a rule, breaches a policy, the employer may well have reason and cause to discipline them, to provide a warning, perhaps even a suspension. But to get to the level of a termination for cause, that is very far removed from, uh, from discipline. Cause for discipline uh, is uh, normal. Cause for termination is what we call the capital punishment of the employment relationship because it's reserved for the worst offenders. And in this situation, on the spectrum of workplace offenses, if she was texting during a, a meeting, no, sure, that's not acceptable. It's not something she should be doing. But there are far lesser penalties that would have been appropriate. And it seems like this employer jumped the gun and and confused the two concepts, discipline and cause. And it's because of that that this employee was awarded compensation. Right. So because if you go back to this case, so this is something that, that, that the primary reason given why this employee was fired was because of her texting habits. And it all focused or in particular, it was one staff meeting. Other staff members apparently had told this employee that uh, her cell phone habits were perhaps questionable. Uh, She testified at the tribunal that uh, that or sorry, the dentist testified that she had also met with the employee to tell her that her that that there there was a texting policy and it could only be done if it didn't disrupt work, which I guess she argued that it did. So it almost sounds like there was, I don't know, a breakdown of communication or it wasn't clear uh, to this employee what the policy was. I I think that's exactly what happened. And the one thing an employer should always do when it has a policy, that policy has to be clear, but it also has to be properly communicated to the employee. A policy that sits in a drawer and no one knows about doesn't do the employer any good. But it goes beyond that. An employer can build up a case to potentially terminate someone for cause, but it has to do certain things in advance. It has to provide warnings, and you have to document those warnings. Again, if it's not in writing, I'm going to say it doesn't exist. So, for example, this particular dentist, if it had incidents, uh, similar incidents with this employee, and it documented them and it provided warnings, don't do this or else, and this pattern continued, then, yeah, at some point it could have terminated this employee for cause. What more can it do at that point? 
But to not engage in that type of process, to not document things, to not provide advance warnings and opportunities to improve, you can't just get from point A to point B down the road. Uh, and, and if you do, you're going to find yourself on the wrong side of a wrongful dismissal. Uh, in this case, too, it sounded like she was kind of texting under the table uh, at the time of the one incident in question. And uh, she testified, from what I understand at the tribunal, that she was uh, texting her husband because their cat was missing. Does it matter why you're texting if you're breaking a policy? I, I think that from uh, the perspective of the employee, probably not in that there could have been other ways she could have dealt with it. She could have ex- excused herself, uh, asked permission from her employer, explained the situation. I think most reasonable employers would have said, okay, I understand you have a, a family situation, we'll excuse you. But but to do it in that way, it shows a level of disrespect. It's probably disruptive in, a, in an office meeting. So no, I, I don't think that the employee can be excused here, but even though she may have done something wrong and likely did, it still does not justify the employer to, to go to the ultimate, the worst penalty that it can impose. There would have been less or more appropriate uh, uh, measures it could have taken. I, I believe it also came up in the tribunal, the fact that she was described as not being a team player uh, as part of the office. And one of the examples given was that she didn't attend extracurricular events. Is that, that's something that I found interesting in that as an employee, are you required to attend extracurricular events outside of work to show that you're a team player? Uh, that's a great question, and the answer is absolutely not. There is no requirement to to attend these types of events, to do anything off work during non-paying, uh, not, not paid hours. Uh, and certainly, there are you know, perhaps reason, reasons to do so, career advancement reasons. But there's no legal obligation. But this raises another point, and that is, this employer could have absolutely terminated this individual legally for pretty much any reason as long as it was prepared to pay her her severance. What happened here is this employer decided to avoid paying severance. So they could have said, you did this, we're going to let you go. We don't think you're a team player. We don't see a future for, for you here, so we're going to let you go. We'll pay you the severance that you owed. Uh, and in that situation, it, this would have been legal. What made it illegal is the, uh, the effort made by the employer to rely on these incidents, not being a team player texting, to say that you're deserving of the ultimate penalty. Hmm, it's an interesting one for sure. Uh, does it come down to then again, so I, guess, I, I kind of hear two things. And one, it almost feels like the employer uh, realized or with the texting incident felt that uh, there was a, a way there, saw a path to get rid of this employee. Uh, clearly there was more going on than just texting under the table at, of staff meeting. Uh, the employer thought, okay, I can get rid of this employee because they've broken the policy. Uh, but is it also, and, and you touched on this, that if there is a no texting policy in the workplace. It needs to be front and center. You as the employer need to make sure everybody knows about it and knows what the penalties are if you break that rule. It absolutely does. And that applies to texting policy. That applies to any workplace policies. Probably some of the major policies could deal with things such as workplace harassment, for example. I've seen many employers having a, an extremely strict workplace harassment policy that does all the right things, defines harassment, and, and talks about penalties, but no one knows about that policy. It sits in a drawer somewhere, and then the employer takes it out when it's convenient. That's not a way to go. Uh, policy should be properly communicated. In some situations, training needs to be provided so that employees understand the policies and the expectations. And it's also uh, a good practice to bring it out every once in a while and remind people of the policy that we talked about last year 
perhaps make it a yearly type of a, a situation. By doing that, you can rely on it. You can potentially uh, terminate earlier and easier if an employee is in breach of the policy. But to just have a policy is really not going to do an employer any good. Is it enough just to, to send out an email to staff saying, by the way, remember, or this is your annual reminder, make sure you read our policies, uh, they're all found here. Uh, is it enough to do that and then assume that the, that employees have done that and, and that employees should know that I better read this policy? I, I would not do that. I don't think that is a good practice, certainly not with important policies. We, you know, we touched on, on, on one, for example. You want to know as the employer that the employees are aware of it. And most employees are not just going to click a link and take the time to read for something when you know they're not getting paid. They have other things on their plate. So since it's the employer that wants to at some point rely on this policy, these policies are for the benefit of the employer. The employer should be proactive in ensuring that the employees are aware of it. They should distribute those policies, have the employees sign an acknowledgement that they've read it, perhaps have a a brief meeting where they go over the policy so that there's no uh, ability for anyone to say, I didn't know, I didn't understand, or I didn't appreciate what the consequences are going to be. Do you see it often that employers try and find ways around or, or try and find ways to, to establish cause, maybe when there isn't cause, to get out of paying severance? Absolutely. And, you know, every time someone comes to me uh, when, uh, when they're supposedly be let go for, or let go for cause, I can tell you that in 90% of those matters, and I'm not exaggerating here, in 90% of those matters, there isn't quite cause. Now, it's important to remember that the threshold for cause is a very, very high one. Our courts have made it very clear that it's only the worst offenders are deserving of a termination for cause. And if the employer doesn't dot their I's and cross their T's, then they're not going to be able to terminate for cause. A lot of employers do jump the gun. And the other thing to understand about cause, it's really all or nothing. There's no such thing as having 95% cause. Either the employer has cause to terminate or it doesn't have it at all. Because the standard is so high, even if the employee did something wrong, there's potential ability to to provide other penalties. And if an employee has been let go for cause when really there isn't cause, they could have significant entitlements. And and it could be in some situation as much as two years' pay. So it's certainly something an employer has to take seriously. All right. Uh, Interesting case, uh, definitely. Uh, Lior, thank you so much for joining us to talk about it. I appreciate your time. Thank you. My pleasure.